Hi, I'm Ann Gannon, and welcome to my podcast, The Franchise Accelerator. As the founder of the Largo Group, I have provided accounting services with a specialty in the hospitality industry over the last decade. I have prided myself on finding a way to work with my clients, not just where their businesses are today, but working with them to scale. What I've realized over the course of this work, this mission, is that the common challenge for business owners is how to scale. How can you go from one location to many locations if there's just you? This is why we've started the Franchise Accelerator, because inside you is a great idea that can scale. And with the right tools, the right techniques, you too can create a franchise, a brand that's more than just you grinding it out, working 80 hours a week, and sacrificing for your business. You can create a brand that can stand alone and can truly create financial wealth for your family. I'm so excited to be a part of your journey and I look forward to being with you every week as we join on this adventure together. Hey listeners, I'm so excited to be joined today by Lindsay Dowd. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Anne. Yes, so I'm so fascinated to learn more about what you do and what drives you. So can you tell us a little bit about your story? Sure, I'd love to. Um, so I've been a seller my entire life. I've spent 25 years in sales, which makes me sound 25 years old, which I'm not. However, uh, my whole career has been in sales. And uh, 23 of those years I spent at IBM. And I climbed the ranks, you know, individual contributor, manager, executive, and um in January, I kind of took a breath and recognized that we had this great resignation going on. And I was watching tons and tons of people leaving their jobs and not leaving their jobs for big amounts of money. They were leaving their jobs because they were really fed up at how they were being treated. And I'll get a little more specific. Because <laughs> my whole world has been sales, right? So Sales is unique in that we have different comp plans. They get paid well. You you know you win trips, you win prizes, and as a result, a lot of leaders kind of like they don't need nurturing. They get special stuff, and they have their own HR, and they have their own marketing and their own budgets, and they're often treated as separate as the rest of the company. And what happens is a lot of the time you'll see really great reps get promoted into management positions. And these people don't delight in the success of other people. They got into sales because they wanted to make money and they're in the wrong role and they create this toxic leadership. They view their job as power instead of uh, how to be a compassionate leader. And um, as a result, a lot of sellers get pissed off. They leave their companies and they want better culture. And so my whole reason for creating Heartbeat for Hire, which is the name of my company, was to put the heartbeat back into sales. And so I have a little tagline. It's heartbeats, not headcount. <laughs> really focused on um, teaching leaders language choices and how to be a humble leader, how to be a servant leader, how to be the person that gets the best out of their people. And it's not ripping the house down to the foundation. It's really taking what's good, capitalizing on that. And then with nuances and coaching, it's getting those leaders to really recognize you've got an awesome team of people. You need to understand what their talent is so you can stack your team. And, oh, I have so much more to tell you. <laughs> that, that's kind of the basics of why I did this. So, Oh, 
that's incredible. So is your thought, because this is such a unique time, you hear, you know, I hear so much from clients that it's so hard to find talent and I'm struggling yes. and I, you know, I do a job on Indeed and nobody applies. Yes. So is your thought some of that is just that the, if what employees want has fundamentally changed? It has. And they're, it's not even what they want. It's what they're demanding. And so now it's, what's so interesting is I coach a lot of people when they're interviewing and interviewing, you know, in the old days, you were in the hot seat if you were interviewing. <laughs> now I tell people, I'm like, you need to be asking you need to find out what kind of leader you've got that you're talking to. Mm -hmm. And I always say, talk to people on the team, ask them, say, can I talk to two to three people on your team? I want to understand their experience with you. What's your management style? What do you do when things aren't going well? Because so many managers who haven't taken the time to go, go through training end up micromanaging. Who wants to be micromanaged? It takes the soul out of your work. And <laughs> 70% of your life is spent in your job. So you got to like it. You got to remind yeah. yourself there needs to be fun. There needs to be camaraderie. People can crave connection, purpose, collaboration. Those are the basics that people want as humans. Yeah. And if you're a leader and you're not providing those things, you got to stop and take a breath and say, oh, shoot, I really need to figure this out. Um, and that's really, it's just so important. And I, I think there's not enough leaders you know, I hear all the time, I've been a sales leader for 20 years. I've been doing it this way for 15 years. Terrific. Wonderful. When was the last time you took a class? When was the last time you, you honed your skills? I mean, yeah. think of it this way. Everything in our lives has evolved. Technology has evolved. The way we communicate, the way we meet. Like, I mean, you're in Pennsylvania, I'm in Boston. We wouldn't be able to do this other no. right? And so all of these things have changed. Yeah. Leadership has changed too. And yeah. the way we talk to people, the way we embrace diversity and culture and you know, all of that has become so much more paramount to our success. So if a, if you're a leader and you haven't taken a course or you haven't, you know, like really spent time with a coach, you probably need to take a breath and figure that out and, and do that. So yeah. that's that's a it's a really strong reminder that um, this is what employees want. They want to be inspired. They want to feel valued and seen. And that's just the fundamentals now. So. It's so true. I mean, so what do you think? I mean, because I think a lot, the other thing I hear a lot is that, you know, maybe it's a generational thing that all oh, the next generation, but you really don't think that it is. No, <laughs> I'm old. No, not at all. I just turned 50, like a couple of weeks ago. So no, and I'm going to tell you this, whether you are a brand new to the workforce person or you're, you know, in the sunset of your career, the feeling of being important and understanding your place and having pride of place is universal. And the best thing you can do as a leader is when you see your people going social for good reasons, you're doing something good. And that's another fundamental, like we've learned so much, at least I have anyway, about personal branding and teaching your people how to do that is an investment in them. Is it a risk? Sure. They could leave. But what if you teach them and what if they talk about what a great place it is to work? That's yeah. the best advertising you could ever have. And I can't tell you how many clients I had that would say to me, Linz, are you happy? 
Tell me about your job. Do you like where you work? They want to know that they're spending money with a company that cares. Yeah. No, that's so true. Now, do you, because a lot of our clients, our listeners are, you know, kind of in that growth mindset about, you know, I have this vision. The biggest struggle is you get to a point, it can't just be you or the owner of whatever. And so you need this team. Yes. So, you know, yet it seems so overwhelming to, to think about how do I turn my team into, you know, deal with rest of, like a Chick-fil-A. I think they do an amazing job sure. with their team. So what are some of the things someone can do to make it seem less overwhelming? Well, like I said before, people crave connection. And when you can provide connection, they're going to rise up. They're going to be excited. They're going to look forward to spending time with you. And I'll, I'll give you a little story. Um, during the pandy, I um, had a really big team. I had like 85 people reporting up to me with managers and tech teams and everything. And um, I recognized we had this opportunity where we had to form some kind of opportunity for folks to get to know each other. So I did... Um, I did a Kahoot. And if you've ever done a Kahoot, it's like this multimedia quiz where music and video and pictures. And I asked everyone on the team to send me one interesting fact that the rest of the folks didn't know about them. And I made this multiple choice quiz. And I'll give you one of the questions Um, was this person has visited every major ballpark except one in the country. And I had three men and one woman and the answer. Well, everyone picked the men. (laughs) And so the answer popped up and it was Marsha. And everybody's like, what? Marsha, that's so cool. I didn't know you had that goal. And even though there was like 40 questions on the quiz, everyone remembered that about Marsha. And it became a conversation starter. And we learned that someone was a pickleball champion and someone, you know, was totally into hard rock. And you would never expect that from her. You know, so these kinds of moments force this opportunity to chat. And when you can create the fun and you can create the connection, people like collaborating. And then you can take it another level and start to form best practices. And one of the things I loved to do, and I still love to do it, is surround myself with people that are smarter than me. And by doing that, you and you say, okay, guys, I don't have all the answers. I'm not the smartest person in the room. What has been working well for you? What do you want to try? Maybe we can come up with a new best practice that we've never done before. And you know what? We did. And we did it over and over again. And my peers that were other leading teams that you know were competing with mine were like, how's she doing this? So they're having fun. They all want to go work for her. What's happening over there? And the other thing is, as a leader, share the spotlight. That's so critical. And when somebody does something good or even something bad, and I don't mean like, let's shame them. I mean, okay, guys, we tried this. It didn't work so well, but part of it did. And I want to highlight that. And I want to give kudos to to Jimmy for for recognizing we had an opportunity here. So we're going to try it again a different way. Everybody likes that kind of creative thinking. They like that they're being led down a path that lets them try new things. And as a leader, not just a manager, but as a leader, you have to honor failure. You have to say, and I I had a boss do this to me once where um, she said to me after a call, she goes, "Um, I really didn't like the way you represented yourself. I didn't like how you handled yourself on that call. You better fix it and do better the next time. Well, how do you think I did on the next (laughs) call? I sucked. I sucked. I was so anxious. I was so 
nervous. I had a pit in my stomach. I wasn't relying on my instincts. I wasn't relying on my humor. I wasn't using my personality, which is part of what people like about me and how I sell. Now, what she could have said is, how do you think that call went? And I would have said, I don't really think it went that great. Now, this is also assuming we built some trust because there was <laughs> no trust there. But if we had some trust, then it would say, um, no, I didn't love how I did that. And the leader would say, okay, well, what can we do to make it better the next time? Um, I don't know if we role play a little or, you know what? I just want to work out the kinks on this one part. How do you say this? Okay, thank you. And the, as a leader, you can say, do we ever need to talk about it again? Nope, I got right. Right. And I had one boss who said to me, girl, I got your back now fly. And Uh, that is the thing that everyone wants. They want to know someone's looking out for me. They've got my back. I'm going to bust my ass for them because they've got mine. And when you can create that, that's when your team grows. That's when you make those calls to those three people. They're like, no. I love working for Anne. She's awesome. She shares the spotlight. She gives us kudos. She recognizes even when we failed, she pulls out the goodness of the situation and it makes us want to work harder. Yeah. That's what you want with the yeah. team. Now, those are so many great points. It's amazing. Now, you know, I think the other side of this is, you know, like you touched on where as people grow, you know, you've, they've never led before, right? So many of our clients, I've never led 50 people before. I now have three locations. I have 150 people. You know, and there's an inherent, like, freak out. So, you know, what do I do? You got to surround yourself with allies. You got to find the people who are going to give you intel, who are going to be those connectors for you, who are going to take the time to ask the people, how's it going? And here's the question I love to ask. Um, How can I be the best manager for you? It's a super humbling question as a leader. And it's a very disarming question for the person who's being asked. First of all, they're not going to have an answer right away. They're going to be like, what What do you mean? Like, you want to, you want to know? Okay. (laughs) But when I've asked this question in the past, you get very different answers. And the answers will vary based on age, based on tenure, experience. And, and all of those things are really critical to their success. But what it gives you as a leader is a point to advocate for your people. It allows you to see what kind of career path they want to go down. Or maybe they don't know what career path they want to go down, but maybe they're really good at something. And if they're really good at something, then you can highlight that to other people. And the other piece that is so important as a leader is to create a culture of advocacy. And this is different than mentorship. Mentorship is a nice thing if it works. It doesn't always work. And people don't always follow up. And they don't always, oh, it's a nice conversation. Two years later, you're like, oh, shit, I haven't talked to my mentor in 10 years. (laughs) But advocacy is a little different. Advocacy is allowing your people to skip levels and have executive interviews. It's allowing your people to reach beyond their reporting structure and say, I heard you're really great at this. I'm new to this. I would love to just pick your brain and hear what's made you successful. And how do you get to know me? Because if any jobs open up on your team, maybe I'd be one for consideration. And I'll give you a good story about how this worked for me. Every two to three years, I would change jobs at IBM. And most of the jobs that I got were as a result of relationships. And it was based on the fact that somebody said, 
um, you should go talk to this woman. She's hiring. And someone did that for me. And I went and talked to this woman. She's like, what's your story? Who's Lindsay? Tell me. (laughs) And so I told her and she's like, shit, girl, you can do anything. And I go, well, thanks. But do you have any jobs open? And she goes, yeah, I have five. I go, well, I only need one. (laughs) She's like, okay, well, I'm going to tell you about all five and you can pick. Now that having that latitude as a leader to be able to be open and recognize you've got people in your organization who are probable rock stars, right? You get to pull out this greatness and you can call their manager and be like, by the way, I loved Jermaine. He was fantastic. And oh my God, you're so lucky when he's already wrapped up in this role and he's feeling like he's hit his stride and he's ready for a change. You let me know. I want him on my team. But that's kind of that collaborative leadership that it's leaders aren't threatened. They're not insecure. And it starts from the top. You have to be able to give your team that ability to discover and 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 reach out and connect. And the other piece is embracing um, parallel teams and teams that support kind of, you know, if you have people that work on contracts or you have people that are in legal or if you have people in finance or HR, recognizing those people repeatedly and recognizing your own people is so critical to success. Um, I, I always loved to give people the, the floor whenever we had an all hands call and say, you know, okay. And even if they didn't know it, <laughs> okay, Fred, You did awesome with that last sale. It wasn't the biggest sale, but I love the story. Tell everybody the story. Tell you how, tell how you got it started and tell why it worked. And everybody wants to be given that spotlight. You're in sales anyway. That's part of the glory. Yeah. But even if you're not, it's giving those people the opportunity to shine and a good leader shares the spotlight. That's important. And a good leader falls on their sword when something goes wrong. And it's not just your mistake. It's somebody else's mistake. You own it. Um, and I, I was talking to someone yesterday and he was just like, yeah, I, my team, if they screw up and corporate asks me what happened, I say, it was me. It was me. And they say, are people in the right roles? They sure are. But that was my fault. And by doing that, your team understands you've really got their back. That's a really important thing as a leader. There's nothing worse than somebody who's like, why'd you do that? You screwed it up for everything. You lost the deal. Oh yeah, I'm real inspired now. I'm really (laughs) going to stick my neck out for you now. I'm going to go pack my toys and cry and probably go to the bar. You know, (laughs) that's not good. No, and it's so true. I think the wording that people use is so important and especially in stressful situations. So it's easy to you know, be stressed, but that those words matter and are so, it, it has such an impact. Yeah. And pro tip, if you have a really crap interaction with someone, write the email, get it all out. Don't send it. <laughs> Don't send it. <laughs> Don't send it. Take a breath, walk away, walk your dog, go do run around the block, whatever you need to do, come back with a clearer head. You probably won't send it, but you could collect your thoughts and come back with a thoughtful response of, I got to tell you how that made me feel. And I know you were upset with how this went down, but I want us to have a different relationship than this. And I need to be spoken to a little differently. 
Yeah. And it's very hard to do that. It's very scary for people. Um, I did that with one boss and um, she did not believe in positive feedback. And oh, no. it was really hard because that's totally the core of who I am. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, I'll find something in, in any conversation to be like, oh, I, I love the word choice on that sentence. That's little, but even still, someone feels good. People yeah. are make them feel. So I asked her, I said, you know, you don't provide any positive feedback ever. And it's important to me. And she goes, oh, you and my husband would get along well. I'm like, oh, so it's a character flaw. (laughs) So I brought it up a couple of weeks later and I said, you know, we talked about positive feedback. And I said to you that it was important to me. She goes, well, I worry if I give you any positive feedback, you'll think you're doing great all over. I was so disappointed. I just right. recognized this is not going to work. Yeah. And um, I ended up having to leave that that team. Um, it just, it, it, that is a person in the wrong role. She was a tremendous rep. She was very, very smart. Um, she should never have been a manager. Yeah. So, yeah. It's so true. So tell us some of the ways that you help, you know, businesses looking to improve this sort of final area. Yeah. So, um, it's a variety of things. And I'll tell you, it's been kind of an evolution and unexpected in some ways. Um, there's one company I work with and they have me advise their um, VP of sales as their cultural mouthpiece. Um, they basically said, you know, as the C-suite, we want to ensure that this person understands how important culture is to us. So that's one. Um, I do a lot of one-on-one coaching with leaders. I do a lot of group coaching with leaders So it could be like a team that needs coaching. Um, You know, the huge organizations are harder. And what I really strive for is permanence. Um, So people will say, you know, who do you want to talk to? Do you work with VPs of sales? Well, of course I do. But VPs of sales will do two to three years in a job and move on. And you can't you can't get that permanence. Mm -hmm. Um, I just talked to a person yesterday and he was saying that he had this great coaching program and as soon as he left his business, the person that came in behind him canceled it. And he's like, we saw such incredible results and such a goodness from this program. And I've since put it in in this new team. Um, but that guy just did not see the value, didn't want to spend the money and done. So it just kind of goes to show like it really does depend on who the leader is. So when you can get that buy in at the top, um, you know, whether it's a CEO, CRO, CHRO, those people are the ones who will really kind of keep the drumbeat going and say, this is this is who we want to be. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the the basics of, of how I help. Um, and we get pretty creative. It's it, the, the good news is I can do whatever I want. So, <laughs> you know, when someone says I want to try something different, I love that. So, yeah, it's cool. Oh, what a great story. So thank you so much for, you know, sharing with us. If people want to learn more about you, you know, where can they find you? Sure. Um, My website is heartbeatforhire.com. And you can find me on Insta, on LinkedIn, on Facebook at Lindsay Dowd, H4H. Um, So I'm all over the place. In fact, if you are on LinkedIn and you do the hashtag sales culture, about 90% of the content is mine. So you can find me pretty easily. Well, thank you so much again. It was so great to get to know you. And it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me.